We all believe we'd run into the burning building. But until we feel that heat, we can never know. You do. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. Nuclear holocaust? No. Something worse. All I have for you is a word. Tell it. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Start looking at the world in a new way. And try to understand it. Feel it. It'll happen here. Hasn't happened yet. Cinemondo podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. Is that the coolest trailer? Wow. I love that. It's so good. <laughs> I was so excited to see it. It's Christopher Nolan for God's for goodness sake. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. I was trying to do my smartest filmmakers in that we have going right now. I think smarter than me. That's for sure. (laughs) Smarter than me. Yeah. (laughs) I like film films made by people who are better than me, (laughs) like better filmmakers, better writers. (laughs) Well, I mean, just even beyond filmmaking, he just, he just is wired different. I mean, all of his movies have some sort of weird, complicated brain twister in them. It seems like. Like who would do that to themselves when I mean, he's always played with, with time, you know, with Memento, we had the thing with time It's very, Memento is actually very serious, um, similar to mm-hmm. Tenet in that it, it does this inversion of time thing where you're actually going back in time. And he's always been fascinated by that idea. I think with, you know, interstellar and the, Dunkirk uh, was great too, because you had one hour, one day, one week. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that because every now and yep. then it, you know, there was this interchange, like, oh, that that those are the guys on the plane. But that we've been watching these guys, you know, in the boat for whatever, you know, a, a whole day. So yeah. it's that's that's fun. And even with insomnia, there was some time weirdness, you know, not not time travel, but strangeness as far as like how long a day lasts, mm-hmm. you know. He's and a challenging, crazy. He's a challenging filmmaker, but he makes huge, 
big budget blockbuster films. You don't get that. Sometimes you get like, you know, the big blocks, blockbuster films that aren't very smart. Right. But to get that connect, you know, a smart filmmaker making a smart movie about smart characters, but also having like $200 million budget to do these huge action spectacles and stuff. That's what makes them interesting. And if you don't know who Christopher Nolan is, I just read a quick list of his movies because... <laughs> They're kind of nuts. How much he did Memento? He's done some smaller films too. He did Memento, Batman Begins, that's a screenplay. The Prestige, Dark Knight, Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Man of Steel, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet. Like these are, and also they also have Memento, original screenplay announced. Like he's rewriting it again. He's doing another Memento. Oh. It says it for 2020. I don't know what's going on there. So Maybe he's hmm. going to release it as a book or something. Yeah. yeah I can't. Or, it's a, or it's a video game. That'd be a cool video game. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of these <laughs> games I play that I don't understand. You have to start playing it yesterday, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Did I play yesterday? I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, here's a note. I did. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, it was a tattoo. I did. <laughs> but he makes huge blockbusters. But they're also kind of infused with this insane sort of intellect. So when I watch these movies, I almost barely understand them half the time. But you know what else he does? He also puts, this, he also puts, I mean, no offense to him or anything, but he also kind of puts typical stuff in there too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you want to say that something like Tenet or the, you know, the Dark Knight film, I love the dark Knight, you know, of the Heath Ledger's Joker and the whole, that whole film. That's one of my favorite of his films and inception is another one, but there's always a um, human, there's always a bit of a human story in there too. And he'll have these tropes in there sometimes that I'm like, Oh, it, it, but you sort of have to have it. You know, there's always the countdown, the ticking bomb, you know, the ticking time thing. And those things that it seems like you just have to have, in your suspense film and he puts them in there even though you you kind of get the idea that maybe he kind of wishes he didn't have to do that but he sort of does it just so that it's not completely obscure and hard to follow he still has to have some human like you know well he is getting he's getting and <laughs> well he's get, he's getting a lot of money to make these movies especially i think yeah. the man films i mean he's following a source material you know yeah. so he's got to sort of keep it within those tropes i think something like inception which is sort of his made up world he can kind of do what he wants unless the you know unless the uh the, the uh, film company says hey you've got to put it this you got to put this ticking bomb in you've got to put in this car chase you got to put this stuff in i would dare any studio executive to tell chris nolan to do anything yeah well i think i i, th I think in this I film did. tenet i think he basically got to do whatever he wanted yeah that's what i feel i, I think feel he's been able to do anything he wanted for a while i don't think this, studios interfere with him i mean this one feels the most unchecked to me yeah as opposed to, uh, well, maybe it's also the source material. Dunkirk, you know, it's based on something that really happened in World War II. So he's got to play within a certain truth. Yeah. It's, it's something that really happened. So you have to play within that, that, that world. Here, he can just kind of do whatever he wants, much like Inception. Which seems yeah. like where his heart is, because he makes these sort of brain twister kind of timeline movies every so often like probably every other movie or so every two and that seems like where those are his labors of love i think so i that's why i appreciate him because i know that he's not gonna hold back and spoon feed us he's just gonna go 
I'm going to tell this weird complicated story and you're just going to have to keep up. You have to hang on. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And you have to pay attention or you're going to lose the thread. And if you lose the thread, you're, you're gone. You can't, you can't catch up. <laughs> yeah. Or you can just watch it again. Yeah. You can watch it again, which is a great, you know, great source of additional value for his projects as well. People know that people are going to watch them again and, you know, so they're probably want to, maybe a lot of people are going to want to buy the DVD or buy the film, you know. Or do what I did and like Google it immediately after I saw it and say, please explain this movie to me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying that as a negative. So as we get into it, we'll find out how we felt about it. But Well, it's one of those films too that I love where after it's over, you sit there for a while and you talk about it. My wife and I watched it and we both noticed different things and had different observations. And there were things that I was like, now, why did this happen? And she was like, Oh, because remember at near the beginning, remember the so-and-so? And I was like, Oh yeah, it's right. Okay. And you know, without spoiling, anything, there's a lot of uh, potential of spoilery with this film. <laughs> potential spoilery yes. spoilery sort of but i feel like spoilers almost almost are beside the point with this movie because it's more about this weird journey because it's this sort of weird loop and there's time jumps and back and forth like i i think that's clear there's that kind of weirdness going on in the trailer but um i don't it's, it's, i don't know yeah saying that that's what happens in this film is actually a bad thing <laughs> Right. And it's also, you know, we've done time travel films before in our podcast, Primer and other yeah. ones. And oh, have not, we ever. <laughs> they're not the time crimes, you know, that Nacho Vigalando film. Yeah. It's, they're hard to explain. You have to really see them and then you listen and you go, okay, you know, and we together try to piece it together. But if we tried to sit there, give you every spoiler in the world, tell you what happened, you still wouldn't get it. No. Right. You still would, you know, it, it, so, um, but it's true. We, there, obviously there's things we don't want to give away because we want you to experience the film yourself, um, right. but we can talk about it in general terms and it, why it's, you know, what's good about it. Maybe what's the stuff that has some issue. I have some issues with, but. <laughs> and it's still got some pretty amazing action scenes. And if you, if you do kind of even just partway get what's happening, um, and you, you can you know by the trailer it's not a spoiler to say that there's something that allows some some people to move forward in time while other people are going backwards in time. So you're going through time this way, and there's another person who's going through time that way. And the fact that you're you know there's a there's a wonderful fight scene. <laughs> well, also sometimes it's you. You know you're in forward and backward. We you know it's like it's all over the place. There's a there's a way in this one also, like with Primer, to create a duplicate of yourself, you know, which is also a huge problem for, you know, you have to figure out some way to deal with that duplicate and, you know, and you well, the film, the, time the, travel stuff sort of wigs me out a little bit. Well, the, I, I, I'd hear, I mean, it, my brain just goes like for a while they're lost almost was doing that. Yeah. Like it almost was trying to do that. I wish it had been like more like Tenet or Inception than as we found out, it's just perfectly linear. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that was a big yeah. disappointment. Um, but I, I noticed one thing you guys probably didn't notice. Maybe you did. <laughs> Robert Pattinson has amazing hair. I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, that hair was nuts. 
He's uh, I'm being a girl. I can't help it. Yeah, you know, he always looks good. Even I mean, his hair was amazing. Even when he tries to look ugly, he looks good. He's one well, of those... I don't think he was trying to look ugly. In this <laughs> no, no, he's cool. Sure. He's a cool. He's done some cool movies. Very cool. Like he's a very different character in each one. Like he was um, supposedly he based his character in this one on Christopher Hitchens, the writer. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can um, see that. Yeah, and he was and yep. there was some. <laughs> some parts in this where i mean you've also seen this in the trailer so it's not spoilery where there's a, a giant stunt involving an airplane and i love the part where they're discussing it and he says well we're going to crash an airplane blah 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 and the guy's like wait a minute you're going to crash an airplane and he goes well not from the sky of course that's a little bit <laughs> that's don't crazy be, don't be dramatic <laughs> yeah. and then he goes fun. and then he goes and john david washington plays is the he's the protagonist yeah know? And, uh, he's the one that you know teams up with Robert Pattinson's character, and they're sort of the heroes of the film. Yeah, yeah. And that scene, he goes, uh, "Well, you're not going to do a big plane," or, or, and he goes, "Well, that's that's a different story." You know, <laughs> maybe shot, that is a little it's, dramatic. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. And it's carrying like, gold bars. Yeah, it's I mean, it's not even just gold bars. As a distraction. Really cool. Um, uh, he's Denzel Washington's son, which yeah. I think is really cool. And he's, you know, he's. I love that they cast him as the main, you know, character in this film. That was cool casting. And Robert Pattinson, very of course, low key cool. for a main character. Yeah, I loved. It was really, you know, basically how I saw this film. It was James Bond. Yeah. With a Christopher Nolan twist. Yeah. And when I saw that, I'm like, Idris Elba could easily be James Bond. This guy could be James Bond. Like the people that, that are having problems with the idea of somebody other than some old white guy being James Bond, I think that can just be put to rest because you see this totally can pull it off. No surprises there. But when you see it, this movie is very commercial and enjoyable to watch as a James Bond movie. Right. You almost can just let the time travel stuff kind of like wash over you. Because I feel like it's so watchable and so beautiful, all these locations yeah. and the amazing suits and just, you know, sitting around <laughs> in the cool bars and having the whole Casablanca. Thing. You know, it's like I just loved everything about the look and feel of the film in general because he sort of tricks you in giving you a very accessible um, sort of tone of film that is then there to sort of fuck with your head. And I, I like that he does, it did that. It's a, it's a fun way to keep people interested, even if you're not really keeping up. It's still fun to watch if you're still confused. <laughs> Christopher Nolan clearly loves the James Bond films. You know, when they're, the in Inception, of course, everybody knows that big siege at the end of the the building with the guys on skis and everything. It's it you know you can just hear the Bond music in your head while you're watching that stuff. And this one, like you said, yeah, it is very much a James Bond type movie where you've got a Dr. No kind of character who wants mm -hmm. to destroy the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, James Bond, super clever, great fighter, suave, you know, goes in and, and defeats, you know, that's not a spoiler. But um, <laughs> and then we had kind of a Bond girl in it. Yeah, it was totally a Bond um, girl. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Elizabeth DeBecky? Debicki? Debicki, yeah. She was in uh, Night Manager. She's mm. she's really good. I like her because she's yeah. not like your average sort of model. You know, she was very capable, very tough chick. I liked her a lot. And interestingly, taller than the leading man. She's taller than everyone. <laughs> yeah. She's probably yeah. six two. Yeah, they didn't There's try to hide that though. They no, I love her that. in a trench or something. You know, so no. they could walk together. He he was obviously not as tall as her, which was he's still cool. It sort of disproves that theory that the leading man always has to be taller than the woman, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's a James Bond vibe. And 
little it Mission is, Impossible. I felt yeah. also total like, Mission yeah. Impossible. It's Tom Cruise MI five, you know, kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, you know. totally. Yeah. And a little bit of you know, Avengers Endgame kind of thing, where it's the time siege, you know, the the time heist or whatever, where you've got all these paradoxes, you know, and they talk about the whole grandfather paradox. Like if you, that's a thing that everybody thinks about when they talk about time travel. If you went back in time and killed your grandfather, it's a little dark theory, but you (laughs) go back in time and kill your grandfather, then you're not able to be born to then go into the future and get in your time machine and go back and kill your grandfather. So how did you kill your grandfather? And if you killed your grandfather, how were you ever born to be able right. to go back and kill you? And know? you wouldn't exist to do it. That's the grandfather paradox. Yes. And they talk right. about this in yeah. here. And I love how they, they say, well, how does this whole thing avoid that? There's a thing that we won't get into. And somebody <laughs> asked the question, how do they in the future, how do they avoid the grandfather paradox? And it's basically like, apparently they figured out how to avoid it. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> yeah. And it, not I smart love, enough to leave kind of their inverted trash along the way, but <laughs> there <yeah>. you go. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's like a, you're sitting there going, okay, wait, I got to pause this, you know, <laughs> I need to take a break. I know. And we're having trouble kind of talking about it. Cause one, we don't want to give spoilers too. It's really hard to talk about. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, basically it opens with this great James Bond opening of this big assault on this opera house. It's just spectacular. I mean, yeah. just everything about it. I mean, he's such a great filmmaker. You just enjoy it on its own merit. Just, just, just take it as an assault on the opera house. You don't need to know yeah, anything yeah. else though. There's a ton of other shit going on. And then you have him having these meetings with these rich millionaires to try and find this weapon. And there's, you know, like you said, the great bond villain that they're trying to get who lives on a yacht, of course. And, yes. you know, it's like, it's just, it's so fun in that, in that respect, just on the surface. And then you just go deeper and deeper and it gets trippier and trippier. I mean, you even have like Pattinson's almost like comic relief. Yeah. And you don't have much comedy in Christopher Nolan movies. So, you know, because this movie's going to be kind of chilly and this one is too. It's a little removed. You know, I don't feel like I knew a lot about the main characters. You know, you just sort of, you're kind of thrown in with them and then that's all you know, really. I mean, they're yeah. not super fleshed out. Um, but I like that he threw in some comedy that helped a lot. Yeah, there's a couple <laughs> of little quips in here that I thought were funny. Like when he, when he, when they uh, do this, incredibly dangerous um scary way of getting into a building to meet someone that was amazing and they talk they end up talking to this person and it's not who you think which is cool (laughs) but then at the end of it this person he's standing up there and all the emergency vehicles are coming and he's you know like no way out of this high part of this building and the the character says um i thought you would have planned a way to to get out of here and he is it, don't you have a don't you have a plan for getting out of here? And he says, "Not one I love." And he jumps off the, edge of the building. <laughs> and apparently, there's not a ton of uh, digital. Like they really did a lot of practical stunts and effects. So I think yes. that's really cool that you can tell. That's that's, stuff, a, that's, that's a why it's kind of like that's Whoa. a real plane. That's yeah. those are real cars that are getting mashed up. You know, yeah, that's yeah. it's real. really really cool. I mean, that when you see big stunts that are real, it makes a big difference. I mean, oh, even yeah. just that highway stunt. There's a scene where they're going to try and trap this car in between these big yeah. you know, trucks. That was spectacular. Yeah, because they basically literally box this in, and you can feel this on the freeway sometimes when you're between trucks or something. How you're like, oh, it's a wall of metal. And the one in front like, of you starts to slow oh my down god, and like, times ten. That thing yeah. was so like. Uh, 
<laughs> so freaky. Oh, it was so good. But there's a lot of heist type stuff in this film. It's a heisty movie. It's a bunch of sure. heists in it. And they don't all have to do with the with the plot device of the time thing. There's a lot of just stealing stuff, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get in somewhere and to steal something or to to do something, you know, to find something. And so therefore, you know, like you get you get little tastes of this cool trick you know this cool time you know inversion throughout the beginning of the film but then there's this big blowout scene at the end where where (laughs) it's almost overwhelming and which we won't go into but it's uh it's like a full-on siege kind of a scene and you're like at first you're like what am i watching how is this what's going on and then it felt very video game yeah (laughs) with the twist yeah it was very like you know, throwing you down in this big open area and you're all running into this insane, you know, weird landscape that's sort of a desert, sort of, (laughs) it was just nuts. I also liked how he used color blocking to kind of remind you where you were in the time frame. The costumes were either blue or red. They had a hint, you know, so you could kind of keep track of it, but, you know, it was still pretty insane. And I was thinking the the red and blue. Mark's like, what? If you're moving (laughs) forward through time, you you know, the red shift, if astronomers know how to, tell if a star is moving away from us or towards us by the shift in the um in the visual spectrum of light like if something is moving away from you very fast this the light uh the light waves are stretched out and therefore skew towards the red part of the light spectrum and if they're moving towards you the light waves are compacted and they move more towards the blue so when th- in the film they use the red the color red to kind of indicate whether when people were moving in one direction and they use blue when they were moving in the other direction through time, which I thought was kind of a cool trick. And they also kind of hint at that with a few instances where there's cars. There's one great little thing. It was a total little detail, but when in the forward moving version of one scene, you hear a car horn when they're out there in this chase and the car horn does that thing that you always hear. Where it changes pitch, <laughs> and the reason it changes pitch is because of that same principle of the lights, the light waves compacting or expanding, the um, sound waves compact or expand. And when something is moving towards you, the waves are compacted, so it's the pitch is higher. And when it moves away from you, the the waves are expanded, so the pitch goes lower. So it goes. And they did that a couple of times, almost to say, you know think about that idea and then later when you see a scene that's been inverted the car goes and the pitch goes up which i thought was really cool (laughs) so much complex i and mark we're just walking all over you're not even saying anything there's a scene where, where the main character you know a protagonist you know washington goes into the backwards world and even that's just you know, and they were talking about like, yeah, you have to kind of navigate it kind of different, you know, like they were talking about how fire is actually cold, you know. Um, so when he's, and they're saying driving a car, mm, not such a great idea. (laughs) And just him getting in there and how they shot that and how the tires looked like they were going backwards, but he was trying to make them go forward. So many smart little details that I loved about that. Like just, just almost almost happening but sort of in this weird backwards like if you're going forward you have to go backward and then repeating a scene it was just, it was just mind-blowing yeah <laughs> it was just trippy 
and the ideas that I love films that um, I love it when films have things happening that you're like, what am I watching? What am I seeing? And then as you watch the film, it starts to come together and you realize what you, you realize that whole opera scene at the beginning, there's a lot more going on there than you realize the first time you see it. There's a few other little tricky things that are happening that you, that you learn about. And there's a few other scenes Try not to be spoiler. <laughs> well, it's like when you see a movie sometimes, and this is like that, you see something almost out of the corner of your eye and like, well, that was weird, but then you yeah. kind of forget it. Or yeah. you see something happening and you're like, why are they doing that? And you just sort of accept it and let it go. And then later it has a whole new significance later, even because you do kind of tuck it away in your head that that was weird, but yeah, you don't like, think it means anything. You're not sure. And then of course the stuff starts coming and you're like, oh, that's probably what that was. Oh, that's what that meant. You know, especially so, during that car chase. Mm -hmm. and during that fight like why you know <laughs> <laughs> so we should probably like let mark talk and also um <laughs> we should go into like like how we you know how we feel about the film not just what it's about but like our opinions on whether people should watch it or not Are we... go ahead <laughs> no you go ahead well, because we're going to try and well, talk you off the cliff <laughs> oh well um I mean, uh, technically, it is brilliant, and that's the strong suit. Like, it looks amazing, and you would expect nothing less from Christopher Nolan. So uh, it looks beautiful. All the effects that are done, you know, are totally believable, and you can't even imagine how he would actually film stuff that's happening as you're seeing it on a screen. So that stuff is really compelling. But, you know, is there a point where a movie can be too complicated, almost arrogant and like say you have to watch this three or four times i love watching movies over and over again like i'll think i'll go back to memento that's a movie i saw three or four times but the first time i saw it i cared about guy pierce's character because you're sort of with him you have amnesia with him so you right. care exactly. and it's a much smaller film you kind of understand even though you don't quite get it you go that's cool but you want to see it again to sort of you say, oh, okay, I see why that happened. And same with, I'll go to you know, a movie we talk about all the time, Hereditary, which is a different sort of film, but you see it two or three or four times and you pick up stuff. But mm -hmm. the first time you see it, you're watching, you're getting the story, you're getting the main points of it, you're feeling something for the characters. This, I couldn't care less about one character in the movie. I found them to be completely dull, one-dimensional. If I don't have a character I can hold on to, all the other stuff means nothing to me. So mm. um, that's a major problem for me. You know, like the protagonist, the main character, and he's a great actor. So is Robert Pattinson, but they're just sort of, it's all expository writing. It's, there's nothing about, he has to explain this because you can't understand it. In fact, the scientist early on goes, you know, explain it to me. And she goes, don't even bother to try to, you know, to explain And So like, okay. So they try to explain it. But I'm just like, I don't really care. You know, that was just, I really didn't care about what happened. It just seemed, it got more, to me, preposterous. And like, even I thought, thought, thought the, uh, the action scenes were kind of inert. I didn't find that chase scene really all that exciting. Like... I just I don't even, I don't understand how you cannot be impressed by that. I'm sorry. I just I, the, to I, I look at that scene and not think that was spectacular but, but he's and exciting. Done, he's done better scene action scenes than that. He's done better well, stuff. In the I'm not measuring him against his other scenes. I'm measuring it in the film itself. It just 
it didn't work for me. And after a while, honestly, you know, in the, in the trailer, the backwards stuff is really cool, but two hours of it, you know, okay. Explosions backwards and stuff. It just, I just lost complete interest and I was really just going, you know, and part of it is you have to be in the mood for one of these films. You really have to kind of delve into it. Maybe having somebody else watching it without, you know, sort of picking apart. I didn't have that. I watched myself. I just got, I just don't care. And like, you know, pincer, what is it called? Uh, temporal pincer movements or maneuvers. Yeah. You know, like, what? <laughs> what is this? You know, I, what am I in science I, class? <laughs> yeah, just, it felt it was just too com- complicated, almost arrogant. And I think it goes back to Christopher Nolan can do whatever he wants, which is great. And it, and I appreciate that. Like Stanley Kubrick is an arrogant filmmaker, but you get his stories. You kind of get it. I felt like, and if I see it two or three or four times, maybe I'll understand it and it will be better. But I just didn't buy, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh, just his character was just sort of like, <laughs> just just so evil. And he's right. He's got the he, he was a like, bit of a, a Bond was, character. It was Bond, it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I'm a little, you know, Bond movies are fun, but I don't know. Like, I didn't need all the extras. I didn't need the backwards stuff. That didn't make it more compelling for me. <laughs> but I just made it more confusing you know and yeah but without the background backward stuff you don't have the tenant <laughs> i know yeah i get it i get it and also i felt like i'm uh, just smaller things like you know i love hans zimmer but i didn't like the score it felt it was really loud was it hans yeah, zimmer the score was a bit loud it was so loud this like, was hans zimmer the the soundtrack yeah. oh yeah. i thought it was somebody else he, I think he does all of uh, Christopher Nolan's movies. Oh, I okay. love like the Dark Knight. I thought it was fun. I liked it. Oh yeah, I felt. Just, <laughs> I just felt this. Even the sound mix was too. It was too much. Like I, I was missing some of the dialogue and. Stuff. Yeah, the sound mix was murky. People online have been noted, noting <laughs> that too, and he's done that before. Christopher Nolan, for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think he really likes to have the music really mixed up he does. and the, the dialogue to actually be sort of, you know, not mumbled, but like a lot of the characters in the film, it's hard to understand what they're saying. And, yeah. and plus a lot of times they're wearing an ass like this and you're in a pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> with, like Bane, like Bane, like with uh, Tom Hardy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so, with Tom Hardy also in Dunkirk, you know. <laughs> What's with Tom Hardy? Yeah, he just got a mask on. Christopher Nolan and mask. <laughs> I think it's Tom Hardy with like Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had a mask on for half of that movie too. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom Hardy's a weirdo. Um, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't so, want anybody to see my mouth. But, <laughs> Yeah, I but, mean, you know, I, I can, can kind of understand what you're yeah, saying. I get as it. As far as the 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 idea of arrogance, because I get that feeling from some films too. I get the feeling like, okay, somebody you're trying, you're. I get that a lot with horror, some horror films where I'm like, okay, you're trying to piss me off, you're trying to gross me out, you're trying to shock me, or you're trying to make me upset and cry, you know, and it's deliberate and and with this one. It, I can kind of see where there might be a feeling of like, okay, you're you're trying, you're trying to be confusing, you know. Yeah, but I just, yeah, I think it was like it's like here, it's like you said, try to catch up, and you know, and if you can't get it, you know, sorry, you know, you, yeah. you have to be. And I under, I kind of, <laughs> I like that, like, hey, come on, stick with me. But 
don't make the sound too loud where I can't like, and, and, and where I can't even hear the characters and some, and there's that one character towards the end, kind of the military guy. I want to hear what he has to say. I think he knew stuff. Yeah. But every one of his goddamn lines was over was over this like this tangerine dream. Yeah, it's like yeah. calm down. Like just yeah. throw it down a little bit. So there was that sense. I like, you know, okay, you're just trying to I got you know, I had that angry feeling, which I hate getting because I love his filmmaking so much. But after I saw Jordan Peele's Us, I walked back from the theater just pissed off about that mm. movie. And I felt the same way about this. Oh, like no. I don't want to feel that way. So I, I, I'll just chalk it up to like, maybe I, had, I wasn't in the mood for something this sort of challenging because it is a challenging film. Yeah. But I didn't find the other stuff, the simple stuff, the action stuff, the characters, the kind of basic filmmaking that you should have. I didn't quite think this was, you know, up to the par of other films that he's- Did it have an ending? It didn't really have an ending. <laughs> Again, like the ending was like uh, this big, huge, you know, battle scene where I'm like, oh, and they're trying to explain it, you know, like, you know, in the military, here's the, here's what's happening. I'm like, huh? Like, you know, like what's going on? And like, there's two, I mean, it's super, uh, to me, it was too complex. Mm. That's all. And and maybe I'm just not the smartest <laughs> film goer. In the I world. don't think anybody's smart as Christopher Nolan. I, I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you but gotta, it, you gotta just back it off just a little bit. So I, the first time through care about what happens. I see I the thing about s- the characters because definitely mm-hmm. the you know the guy the fact that they didn't I mean he doesn't even have a name he's a name. in the credits he's, he's called the protagonist so yeah. the fact that you don't even have a name for this guy he's not you know he's not Ben or something you know he's right. he's nameless guy and you don't get any backstory of his you know family his life his anything he's just sort of, we're dro- we're dropped in he's already mm-hmm. this badass agent and but then again i guess it's like bond you know bond was bond 007 yeah, you just accept it almost like a code name yeah and but it, even but bond his, would have like a, you know whatever he'd have his sexy women he have some some time where you get to see a little bit of him even though he was just obviously kind of a one note character yeah uh, but as he cares about this woman, you know, he realizes she's being tortured and, you know, or whatever's happening to her that we don't want see. That was my complaint. That was my complaint. Why? Why did he give such a huge shit about this woman? He did barely knew her. It's she like she mattered not at all to him. I mean, I, I didn't understand the extreme lengths he was going to protect her. Like, I, I didn't really get it. So obsession, you know, some just, people they just want something and they, if, they don't really want the, they don't really want the person. They just want to not lose. I mean, it's like somebody else who doesn't want their job right now, who just lost their job and they hate their job, but they hate the fact that they lost their job. You know who I'm talking about? And <laughs> they just can't, we just won't leave the premises. Will not leave. <laughs> ovular office that he won't walk out of at this point in history while we're recording this <laughs> uh, <laughs> no i but here's the thing about <clears throat> another thing about nolan i don't think he writes great female characters i mean they're and like maybe ellen page's character in inception was it was kind of interesting Mm-mm. but i think a lot of what ellen page brought to that was what she brought to it yeah but like and she elizabeth dobilke is a really good actress yeah and she does the best she can but she's purely a plot point she's a mother who loves her son oh my god they said that's like five thousand that's, times that's all she cares about and <laughs> that's so that's one of the made, tropes i was talking about that, that's yeah, a huge trope and he's yeah. maybe he thought my hey, son 
my mother and my son, I don't want that to anything to happen to them. And that's why he cared. But again, Mm. you know, again, I didn't care that he cared about her. Well, that's my complaint of most Christopher Nolan movies is I really, his characters, like I said before, the films are chilly and remote and removed. Like, I don't really feel invested in many of his characters. Even when he was doing Batman, I did not give a shit about Batman either. I mean, you just don't really care that much i don't know what his tone is that makes you not care about characters but they're just not there i mean the most humanizing one was probably robert pattinson because he had a sense of humor and he had the quirkiness and the funny shoes and the the you know the hair and he always looked kind of shaggy and he was and i feel like you sort of felt compelled to always watch him because he felt like he had some life in him you know everybody else felt very you know very um detached. intellectual and like yeah detached and 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 intellectual and i you know they felt like they were there to to explain a complicated thing that you were like yeah you can explain it to me i don't really know who you are like you said we really never knew who they were you know it's it's expository writing fully 150 pages of i'm explaining to you this thing you're explaining back to me and you know you don't get characters out of that well, you know what's don't. what's interesting is there is a genre of science fiction that I'm a huge fan of called hard sci-fi, which means um, sort of like hard Except apple. For Nolan, <laughs> you know how you have hard apple cider as opposed to you know regular apple cider, I guess. But sci-fi with lots of alcohol in it. <laughs> it's sci-fi with a kick, you know. It's, <laughs> what it really means is it's science fiction in which. The science is the most primary thing in it, the, the, the science part of the science fiction. And a lot of one of the things people say about hard sci-fi is that the characters are never really developed because a lot of times the hard sci-fi is written by, in some cases, real um, scientists wrote hard science fiction. You get, uh, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, for instance, the guy who wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey and so many other great books. His ideas were the thing, and his characters, you know, nobody ever, you know, nobody ever raves about Arthur C. Clarke's characters. And seriously, name one of his characters from one of his incredible books. I mean, I love all of his books, like Rendezvous with Rama and, you know, all these incredible stories, Childhood's End. But the characters aren't the thing you remember about them. What you remember is the scientific plot or the thing that happens in it that triggers the action and the the revelations in it. You know, you remember it's like you were just talking about Stanley Kubrick being sort of two thousand one, yeah, two thousand one. Which characters are not are secondary for sure. You know, they barely speak. You know, and you you do get to know Haywood Floyd's relationship with his little daughter through that phone call. But I think Kubrick in more more put that scene in there more because he wanted to have a a scene of a guy using a video phone from a space station speaking to a family member. I don't think he was trying to add depth to the character as much as he was trying to add technological uh, landscape to his place that he was putting us in and trying to make us feel like this is a real space station. And, you know, Hal is the most interesting, most humanistic character in the film. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, you know, it's a computer. Yeah. So, and, you know, yeah. Eyes Wide Shut, I think, is almost the same uh, feeling where it's super cold, remote, did not give a shit about anybody in yeah. that movie. Only because I knew who they were. Oh, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. It's yeah. like, just because I knew the actors, I feel like, oh, there's the connection, but that's all. You know, yeah. I mean, Cooper kind of had a little bit of the same problems as, as doing kind of chilly 
you know, unlikable characters, I guess, or unrelatable characters, maybe is a better term. Yeah, look at Clockwork um, Orange, you know. <clears throat> and, but you know, Nolan's the same way. I mean, did you really care about anybody in Inception? I didn't. I mean, not really. Well, and, I mean, but he, and part he of it's because it's such a big, crazy concept. You you just sort of, it almost feels like they're swallowed up by it. It's about the concept. Even yeah. though the character in Inception had the same the same thing in this one, where it was all about wanting to see his children and being separated from his children and, and being sort of held hostage by the fact that he was, you know, a wanted person and was therefore unable to see his children. His situation in Inception was the same as the woman's situation in this. It was like she was trapped by a situation. But it's, I think Christopher Nolan is, is into science fiction and at the expense sometimes of character you know, whereas there's other writers who focus on character, like, you know, Stephen King, who we talk about all the time, you can mm -hmm. totally remember Stephen King's characters. You remember their names. You remember the woman in misery. You remember mm -hmm. her name. Yeah. Yeah. And you remember his name, you know, the, the writer's name in that. You remember their stories and their family, you know, the way they, the people that they were. But with a lot of science fiction writers who focus on the hard sci-fi, you're remembering the plot, the point of the the scientific twist of the story, and in, in Inception and in, in Tenet, I think it's the case where he's kind of a little bit sacrificing his characters. Yeah, I mean, but again, I'll go back to his breakout film, Memento, which has all kinds of you know timeline stuff in it. But you care about the character. I mean, I remember I'm a character cared about what he was going through at least i right remember that i cared <laughs> yeah, maybe i did but that was the best. but so i think it's because it was a smaller movie lower budget and he didn't get to do all these huge crazy set pieces mm -hmm. so if he's putting those in yeah that takes up a lot of time you're going to do a 20-minute car chase or explosions that takes away from the characters and i it's feel kind of he probably thinks story too yeah yeah sure sure absolutely um so I think he can do, I think he ha has done or he tries to, he did it before, but now he's just, he's doing these huge blockbuster films with these really crazy ideas and characters sort of get shoved to the side. But I still think even in a two and a half hour movie with all this stuff, he could have done a better job with for us to care about the characters. Yeah. That's, and if I care about the characters, I care about what happens to them. But if I don't care about the character, I don't care about his in the inverted character. You know, I, right. I just I don't care. <laughs> like other uh, whatever's going on, I just I don't feel any connection to them. And that's I mean I that's a, like that's like one one for me. You know. Yeah. It, me. It, I I can see that, but I but yeah. I'm also I'm like I'm a science fiction nerd mm. all the way down to my bones. You know, so I'm like I I like um, science fiction as a thing by itself. I've I've read books that have characters in it, you know, science fiction books, hard sci-fi books where the characters are incidental, you know, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't really matter what, right. what the book is about is some massive mind-boggling scientific principle thing, futuristic idea or alien concept or something. And in some ways, I kind of see where that coldness kind of helps in a way for me in some stories the detachment, the, the lack of a human character kind of makes me feel like I'm in this alien place or in this unusual place that I'm not used to. And it is a little bit disorienting. And I always say how I have so much respect for films that can disorient me. 
Um, I didn't really get a feel of disorientation from Tenet as much as I did from Inception and Memento. I remember walking out of the theater after I saw Memento feeling like I've had my DNA altered a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was hoping to get that from Tenet, but it didn't quite deliver me there to the disorientation <laughs> zone. But I think I, I just didn't understand the the significance of the disorienting nature of the forward and backward. Like, like memento we understood not knowing you know losing your memory and trying to remember what you did that is relatable and yeah. inception having dreams we all can relate to like how dreams work and how you know i like how they broke down the science to dreams and how when you kind of are starting to wake up the dreams kind of start imploding on itself you know and i love that idea i think it's real hostile the reason why they that. needed to go into the dream but this kind of clear. you know yeah. this and again i think i i I'm grateful that there's someone like Nolan doing something totally original and something I haven't seen before. Um, we've seen time travel, but this was completely like never heard of it before. I thought yeah. that was, you know, I, like I said, I'll, I'll sacrifice relatable characters a little bit just for something wholly original and mind blowing, just, just something new. Right. But I didn't quite understand. And I didn't get the orient disorientation as the, the passing, like the same space having the forward and backward in it. Like I didn't quite understand exactly what that meant. So I couldn't relate to it, how it would impact, you know, anything outside of its own concept. So um, I think that's why I, it was harder to feel like what's at risk besides, you know, the, the basic ticking clock nature of the, the film itself. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Like you're, you know, the, the clock's ticking down, you know, you have to have this resolution, you know, you're going there and, and to get there, you have to do this weird trick, but I didn't really understand what that meant overall. So, you know, that was, it was really smart and fun, but it's like one of those, like, I really do want to watch it again. Like I've only watched it one time. I think we all watched it once. Right. Yeah. It really is one of the movies at the end. You're like, Oh, okay. I need to watch it again. And then I'll understand all the relevance of the stuff all the way through versus trying to discover it as we go. Yeah. So, Overall, I really liked the film because I liked that it was, you know, so different. But everything you're saying, your complaints, totally can understand that, except for the fact that the chase scene wasn't exciting. I don't understand that at all. But, um, yes, his characters were, were pretty surface. They weren't really deep characters. Um, and I can, I can understand how that affects the narrative when you don't really care about these characters. Uh, well, I'll just say, you know, that whole inversion thing, that, it's just a hard concept to understand. Mm -hmm. You're going forward in time and something else is going backwards in time. And so it's just, I had a hard time just grasping that, like, okay, you're catching the bullet. If you shoot, a, you can't, okay. Yeah. I can't I can really grasp how that works. You know, yeah. I saw it all throughout the film, but emotionally I just can't accept what that what that does exactly like it was hard to relate to it like yeah when you see the bullet holes and they go what's that it's like oh it hasn't happened yet and you're like wait what <laughs> and then when it starts happening you're like okay wait so this is happening now so they're backwards you're trying to figure out the weird inversion idea which is fun but still like the whole time i feel like i'm like okay i didn't really understand it but okay keep going <laughs> keep going do tell me your story um <laughs> And I didn't really understand why it was necessary to do all of that to eventually stop the evil, you know, Bond villain from you know, destroying the world or whatever. It's like, I, you know, it seemed like a lot of work, but there probably was a simpler solution. Yeah, there's a reason <laughs> But not for as it, fun which to is watch, really probably. Cool. It's <laughs> one of the things that is almost a throwaway line at the beginning, and I think it's 
It may even be in the trailer. I can't remember, even though we just watched it. Um, <laughs> I can't remember how um, it's said, but the woman who's sort of training him at the beginning and she's, she puts her hand over a bullet and it goes zoop up into her hand. And he's, he's thinking, what the hell? And she said, this object is moving backwards through time. And so he's thinking, and he's the kind of guy who you get the impression he's seen a lot of weird stuff in his life. And it's almost like he doesn't immediately pass out from the weirdness of this. He's like trying to explain it. He's trying to understand. Yeah. But, um, and he tries it and it doesn't work. And she says one thing that's very important to the entire film. She says, you have to have already dropped it in order for it to go up into your hand. And he doesn't really understand her, but he thinks about it for a second and he puts his hand over the bullet and it goes zoop up into his hand. And then he looks at her and he goes, Oh, I get it. It's like an instinct. It's like you have to, it part of what happens is facilitated by, and they keep using the word temporal, which is, you know, consciousness of the passage of time. And so you have to think in those terms and, and some of the people near the end of the film have obviously been trained to think in those terms of, and there's some really cool stuff in this film where there's a, a military style tactical ops thing that's done in a way that uses the fact that this team is moving forward. This team is moving back backwards relative to each other in order to do a certain thing <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this, Burke, because that's an interesting question. About you, she says you have had to have to n- dropped this. So yeah. you're saying it's like you just have to think that you dropped it. Yeah, you as have oppo- to remember as, dropping it, <laughs> or as opposed to actually having dropped it. Right. Through some because other once time. you catch it, that means you did drop it. Yeah. That's well. The, the big the phrase is, of it is the dropping part. You know, right. the big phrase is "Don't think it, feel it." Yeah. So I think that actually applies to the whole movie. Don't think about it. Just sort of let it happen. Feel yeah. it. Watch it. Just sort of let it wash over you, and then watch it again and think about it. <laughs> it's. I guess you could env- enjoy it two ways. I love. I mean, I'm. I'm really sticky about that. You know, I really want to freeze frame it and think for a second. Like, okay, what? What she said this. And I think about it, sometimes I'll rewind, you know, I'll go back 10 seconds or whatever. Cheater. And I know, but, you know, it's like, <laughs> I need to find you want, out. You want to know what's going on before you move on. <laughs> so you that know. something doesn't confuse me later, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think his movies are rewarding in that way because I, there's a few things that I, when I was watching the film, I was like, now, wait a minute, wasn't blah, blah, blah. And then I thought about it and I'm like, you know, Christopher Nolan is smarter than me, right? So I'm not, obviously he's not going to make a mistake like that with a massive, huge budget film like this that he worked on for however many years. He, I can imagine him and his other producers and writers and directors mm. and all of his friends and everybody who worked on this thing with him drawing these diagrams and saying, sure. okay, this is going this way. This is going mm. that way. These people are going this way. These people are going that way. So yeah. when these are going back, these are going this way. At this point, before they leave, 
these people are getting back from having already done the mission and we're going to benefit from their experience having been in there already, you know, things like that. And, and it's like, <laughs> it's, if I had a problem with a, with a logical thing in the film, I could probably be pretty assured that Christopher Nolan thought it out already and didn't let a little dumb thing like that get through. <laughs> He's a careful filmmaker in that yeah. way. Yeah, you know, you you entrust him that it, you know, it, within the logic of the film of of the of that world, it's all going to be logical. You yeah. just have to find it. It's going to work out. And I guess part partly it is our world, and it just got this weird element to it because of this this evil genius, someone this evil right. guy, not even a genius, just a thug basically. Yeah. Um, but what I think's fun, I think you can watch it on two different levels. One is the sci-fi way and just enjoying the whole mind twisting, amazing, weird, like, you know, I can't just the technical aspect of trying to make that make sense. Then I think you can enjoy it just as a James Bond film, because I mean, we have like, like you're we saying at the beginning, he's meeting a guy in a bar in Mumbai. Then he's, you know, he's having lunch with Michael Caine and they're talking yeah. about art heist. And it just becomes this, it's very fun and James Bondy. Then they have this, you know, catavolting up to this, you know, finding a way into this impenetrable building and this really cool way to talk to another villain who's not who they seem. And yeah. it, it was very James Bond. And then they kind of throw in the weird twist, but it's still totally enjoyable as a heist film, which is basically what it is. <laughs> just let if you just want to enjoy the beautiful scenery and the amazing actors and michael kane and you know yeah. it's like just you know you can enjoy it on that level and just sort of let the other stuff just let it you know don't think it just feel it <laughs> i wish michael kane was in it more but I, me know, too i do wish he was in it more one scene and i saw him i went michael kane's in this and then yeah. he was gone but, yeah. yeah yeah master wayne uh, I just love him so much. Yeah, so, so do I. I. I think of all the people that he's do so his impersonations. Good. I just, I just, mm. you know, he's, he's, so a, he's Michael Crosby. He's a Sir yeah. Michael Crosby. So they almost got his name right, you know, spot That's on. Right. I'm not going to let you kill yourself, Master Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so good. So uh, overall, you know, I do want to watch the film again. I, I ultimately think I didn't really understand it. I didn't really understand the ending, but I still enjoyed the uh, challenge of it. And so, uh, you know, that, because it was so beautiful, um, and so Christopher Nolan, I enjoyed it on that level. Yeah. Well, I'll That's certainly... the kind of thing that you expect from Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. And some of the writers that I really like, some of the science fiction writers that I, that I really love, I can't wait for their new book to come out. And I know that when I read this book, I'm going to have my mind blown. I'm going to be taken to another weird place and another crazy wash of ideas is going to come out of this book. But I also know that the characters probably won't endear, you know, be endearing or mm -mm. I won't care too much about the characters. They're just almost like the fork that you eat your dinner with, you know, <laughs> yeah, <it's funny. laughs> yeah. and it's like a delivery system. You know, you have mm -hmm. to have humans in there. And I think some scientists are more, you know, are more concerned with the science and some science fiction writers skew towards being scientists more more than they are writers like with inception he had um you know his consultant was a famous uh, quantum physicist cosmologist and i think he i think the idea of some of these things i mean i with inception i mean interstellar i mean the space one there's interstellar inception memento <laughs> tenet <laughs> all yeah, these single words of, yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. films but the um, 
in Interstellar, I had trouble with the characters in that too, even though it seems like he was trying a little bit harder to make human characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, I felt like, like you were saying, it's a little unsophisticated with it. It's still the dad and the daughter at odds with each other. And it's, it's, he doesn't kind of, care. He doesn't care about that. That's not his focal point. Kind of standard fare, you know. And, and again, this, like the, I'm sorry, I, I say in the Batman films, I mean, he's got something to go. He's, he can take the Dark Knight comics and, you know, riff off of that. He can take. Well, and also, all their information's already downloaded to everyone. They already know yeah, the backstory. Exactly. You don't even need to yeah. explain don't it. Don't even need to do it. And, nope. it, and the Dunkirk, it's a World War II movie. That's it. You know, you know, there's good guys and bad guys. You got the setup. Am I a bad person for not liking Dunkirk? I did not like it. Oh, I loved it. I hated that's it. A, I thought it was like so boring. I was like, yeah. ugh, I couldn't wait for it to be over. I really? Know. That's I interesting. That's the way I felt about Tenet. I thought Hardy was completely wasted. I didn't even understand why he was even in that movie. They just fly around, fly around. I don't know. Uh, I found it very tedious. Wow. <laughs> but that's just me. But yeah. yet I liked this movie. So, you know, I'm not necessarily the Chris Nolan. <laughs> no, we can. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that was his, uh, everybody loved that movie. I liked it. I think it, most people liked it. It was a little tired. Yeah, it was yeah. an hour 40, 100 minutes quick. No, it was like three hours oh. for sure. It's like 14 <laughs> three hours. hours and 25 minutes. <laughs> and you know, Tenet was cut down. I think he has like a three and a half hour. Uh, this was edited down. I would watch that. I would I would watch that. Yeah. I would watch so that. Maybe it's more, maybe it's, maybe it's easier to follow. The airplane stunt was pretty spectacular. <laughs> just seeing that he that, that, that would that was a wow it moment. was pretty that fun. was the only, I, I, then i was the like i wish i was seeing this in the theater yeah <laughs> yeah i know well yeah, i want to sure. see that scene again because i want to look in the background yes to see if things are happening that i didn't notice the first time i saw it and i know they will yeah. be you know what i mean yeah. i know that we're going to see things and we're going to go ah <laughs> look yeah exactly there it is the thing yeah. <laughs> Thing is going the wrong way. Yeah. Backwards, you know. <laughs> Where's that guy? This <laughs> the thing with the other part. Yeah. But, but you know, listen, I don't want to, you know, please, I'm not throwing cold water on it. You should definitely yes, you see are. it. <laughs> but I didn't like it. So there you go. <laughs> you need to watch it again. <laughs> I'll try, but whew, no. You gotta you give make, me you, you make Emily me, watch it. Oh God, are you kidding? <laughs> She would last four minutes. <laughs> but she, it has beautiful people in it. It's beautiful locations. Maybe she'll be lulled into it. <laughs> she turned to me at one of our first dates. We went to see the Minority Report. And she turned oh. to me halfway in and she goes, I hate this. Oh, my God. I'm like, okay, we're leaving. I didn't <laughs> love Minority Report, but still. Well, you know, the, 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 you I, just, I, just, I just read, I just, I know. I just read the story, the Philip K. Dick story that was based on far better than the film. Yeah. I didn't love the film. Yeah. Far better in 30 pages. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's a short See, there's story. ways of taking down, like dumbing down a film like Minority Report, where you feel like they made a kind of surface treatment of a really cool idea. And then you have Chris Nolan who almost makes too big of a deep story with not a lot of enough of the surface stuff that you need to get you invested. Like, you know, he, you get, you get one or the other sometimes with these guys. It's got to be so hard to make that, to actually make that movie, just to actually do that stuff. How the hell do you do? Do you keep track? How do you keep track? How do you film that to make it? I mean, it's, it's pristine. Like what he's doing is pristine looking it just mm-hmm. like it looks like oh my god he's got every single thing down and that's the brilliant part of it. it's technically mm-hmm. brilliant mm-hmm. so and there's things uh, in it that you incredible that you think about in terms of having worked on films and productions 
a lot of times the feeling of working on a film can be like memento or or like uh, tenet because when you film a movie you film it out of order a lot of times you mm. film the scenes that are near the end of the film you film those first and then the film the scenes that are near the beginning of the film you film those last or in the right. middle or something and a lot of people don't realize how how disarrayed the the shooting script i mean the shooting schedule is compared mm -hmm. to the way the film is eventually put together so what you have to think about is like if it's an action film and somebody gets hit and they've got a cut right here you have to make sure that if you're filming the later scenes near the beginning, you have to put that cut on him already. The yeah. cut that he hasn't gotten yet, you know, from he gets a cut here in the timeline, but you're shooting here. So you have to put the cut on him because this scene is going to be cut in after he gets the cut, if that makes sense. But so when you're making a film, I think you're, you're thinking in sometimes terms that are similar to the way you have to think with memento or inception or tenet or you know and i don't know where i was going with this <laughs> well but, you know no, i think <laughs> you're gone in a circle but it's, it's a thing that when you're on set what what i think is when he's making a film like tenet you have to double think about those things as far as Triple, your time quadruple. I mean, See, that makes it even more impressive that a film like this, which is already complicated, gets shot in different parts and patchwork, like you're saying, like in different times. How the hell exactly. does anyone... He organized. Uh, he must storyboard the fuck out of it. Like it must well, be every single thing like thought out to per finite because like you said, some scenes inform another scene later. And you wouldn't notice this thing in the earlier scene till you know about the later scene. So that has to be accurate in the scene that you may have shot at a different time altogether, even before you shot the scene that it's all about. You know, yeah, <laughs> I just can't imagine. And you also there's a scene, there's a couple the of scenes trick. in this where you notice something, like uh, something is broken, for instance, and you don't, you're not thinking about it, but you're like you know oh that's broken and then as the film progresses something happens and it goes zoop, and it's not broken and you're like oh that's when it got broken you know that's like such a, that still just blows my mind i'm like no what happened yeah and <laughs> then the other thing where there was an injury somebody had mm -hmm. and it was like it's it's like really starting to hurt before they're about to do something that's right and he's bleeding it's starting to bleed and it's like oh yeah. Crap. And then they go into this thing, and then you find out, you know, zoop, you find out how <laughs> it's like he wasn't hurt yet. And then yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. It's great. And but yeah, so if you accept it, they're like, okay, you have to get ready because that's going to happen at some point, you know. So I think you can prepare yourself for this film as in watch it, prepare to watch it twice, <laughs> but watch it and just enjoy it for what it's trying to say on the surface. Just enjoy it. Don't try and get too caught up. I think if you get too frustrated because you feel like you don't understand it, it sort of starts to make sense later. You're not really supposed to understand it because the characters don't understand it either. So right. just let it happen and then watch it again so that you can see the full circle effect of it. If you have some of those pills that Charlie took in Flowers for Algernon, take those about an hour before the movie. <laughs> you know, raise your IQ about 30 points. That's right. That's right. What was that? Uh, oh, yeah. What was that movie? Um Bradley Cooper was in where he raised his IQ so oh, high mean, that it, he starts going insane. Limitless, I think it was. Yes, called. Limitless. Oh. Yeah, and it's it starts. Actually, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> uh, that's like if Chris Nolan made it, it'd be really good and trippy. But someone who didn't quite have his depth did it, and it was kind of like eh, almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But this but is anyway, not to slam another movie while we're doing this. No, <laughs> I did it. anyway. I did it. <laughs> but this is a film to go, you know, you have to, like Mark was saying, you have to be in the mood to put on yeah. your, your thinking cap, you know, yeah. to watch can... this movie a little bit. Your, your analytical brain. It's not just a movie that you sit there and it washes over you. It's not a passive you, film. You know, you can have a you know, lunch while you're watching it or something. This is a movie you really have to sit in the comfy chair and aim yourself at the screen. And okay, everything matters. Everything everybody says, I have to listen. <laughs> I can't, I can't, and everything they say is vitally important. And, you know, he doesn't, um, like we've said, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't wait for you to catch up. Mm -hmm. He tells yeah. the story and you are like, you have to go, <gasps> Wait, wait, wait. What's right. happening? What's happening? Yeah. Right. Wait for me. Right. So it's challenging, but I think it's ultimately worthwhile because yeah. this is a filmmaker who is unlike anyone else out there. And I think it's worth just sort of appreciating him on that level, even if his films aren't always easy and they're not always like the most satisfying, you know, character wise, they're still like an interesting journey. Sure. Yeah. You have to be ready for the Christopher yeah. Nolan vibe, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of his films. They're but keep the, keep the dunce cap off. I think I had it on. I was in the corner with, with, Damn my it, face, Mark. Face, with, my the face, with my face to the corner. Like, I can't. No, I totally get what you're saying. I get <laughs> yeah. it because I you you mentioned the movie Us, and I felt the same way with that one where you feel a little bit angry by the by like, are you seriously trying to, to sell me this idea? Yeah. Seriously, you know, the movie made me angry. This is your idea, Dark Tower. That yes. fucking pissed me off. Yeah. Because that was a waste yeah. of a great, great series, great concept, because they started in the middle. I don't know why. They started in the middle, and then they just blow it by making it the most stupid thing ever. And well, so how do they take the Dark Tower and turn it into a 90-minute film? That starts yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Like, what? It was the least interesting part of the entire series they concentrated on and did a really shit job of it. And it sucks because they had a really good cast. And just made the worst. So I was watching that just getting, uh, I was just mad right away because I'm like, this is going to ruin anyone else trying to do this product. Right. Uh, and there's certain stories that just work better as words on a page in a book sure. when you read them or, or a series them, or hear them or, or a long series. But yeah. it's like things like I'm really, I'm really looking forward to Dune that's coming up. And that's a book that people have had trouble. It's been, you know, David Lynch's version. And then there was the, the sci-fi TV versions. And, you know, there, none of them, if you've read the book, you know, the book is like the best book, the best science fiction, but it's hard sci-fi. The characters in it are, are not, they're not relatable in a lot of ways they're royalty. I mean, they're those kind of people who are either very strange. They're from the distant future. So they're like a human computer or he's like a, a royal child or, you know, the, the royal consort who, and there's, or these Benny Gesserits or whatever. So they're not people that you relate to. The idea of Dune is the ecology of the, of the landscape, the, the science of the planet and the, the thing that happens and all these things, the politics and the intrigue and the, the the sort of game of thronesiness of it which is really hard to do unless it's you're you're making something as long as game of thrones you know mm -hmm. but dune is another science fiction book that some people read and they're like i really love it but the characters aren't super memorable 
It's a concept. Well, we'll see what uh, Denis Villeneuve can do with it. I mean, yeah. he, oh, he's so good. He's a hell of a filmmaker. So yeah. if anybody can do it can't justice, wait. um, it could, you know, so that's hopefully that's coming out soon, isn't it? Or who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I think they pushed it again. I think it's they should push it. Something should wait. Yeah. The ones, the big movies that are coming up that that I think are are next in the line that are going to be released in strange ways. I think there's a Mm -hmm. new uh, Wonder Woman movie is. It's coming out to HBO Max on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Well, Wonder Woman eighty four. So you can see Tenet is going to be pay per view December fifteenth. I think right is that the right date? Um, So you you'll be able to support. I'm I'm all for supporting this pay per view. You know they're a little more expensive, but you're seeing when you think about how much it costs to go to a movie, it's it's still a bargain. So when you go, I'm not paying twenty dollars. Well. You know, $20 is one ticket to the Arclight, basically. <laughs> yeah, and you get so like, popcorns you know, right at the house yeah. and uh, get a Coke, and it's, you know, you right. sit down and watch it, and it's, and you go, three, four people can watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you can watch it a few times if you want. You know, it doesn't cost more to watch it more giant once. television screen like we all do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that. turn off the lights and move the chair a little closer to the TV. And... So, yeah, so, you know, it's a, it, I think this is one of those big, handsome, big action, fun movies that would be fun for people to see and the holidays are coming. And it's, it just seems like the timing is really good for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, All right. Check it, out. it was great talking about Tenet. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, we sure. liked it more, but well, I, uh, it's okay. That's okay. Uh, we'll we'll a... cover it again with spoilers and after Mark has seen it three or four more times and see if he likes it more. We'll go through the turnstile and do an inverted version of the of the <laughs> podcast where we talk, talk about, about we give away the spoilers, but you have to listen to it in reverse. You actually have to invert yourself to hear it. Play this backwards. And yeah. we have to have oxygen masks on. Yeah. And... Well, we should wear it. That's a uh, missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> well, our next episode, because we will do it all backwards, we'll have those on. <laughs> yeah. And breathe. Otherwise. And, and the backwards one will, will also be called Tenet, because that is a palindrome, as we all know. That's right. Ten ten. That's, that's your first. Ten ten. And you ten, find ten. out what that means, too. Which that is means something. Cool. It's not just a made up word. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a all reason right. why it's ten ten. Ten ten. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. All right. Y'all. All right. Thanks for it listening. All matters. Thanks Catch for us listening. on social media. And YouTube, as you might be watching this, we also will be um, posting a lot of videos of our, our podcast on YouTube. Look yeah, for that. So if, you, if you check us out on Facebook or Instagram or, or Twitter, you'll have links to, to this. Subscribe, follow, podcast. interact, write us emails, do whatever you need to do. We have a website on the internet. That's right. We have a website. I don't think Berg's ever seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Dial it up on your, uh, you know, fourteen point four, uh, you know, phone modem. Yeah, <laughs> with AOL.com. Oh my God, so, you've got anyway. Me. All right, <laughs> going back, back in time. See, yeah. <laughs> and Huey Lewis. <laughs> All right, here y'all. See you next time. <laughs> yeah. Bye, everybody. Br five four nine at ten. <laughs> Bye, Cinemondo. Signing off.